Greetings, and welcome to another episode of Haunted History with Sherry Brake. That's me. In each episode, we will venture down the not-so-straight path of the paranormal, exploring dark history, the oddness of life and death, subjects such as folklore, hauntings, cryptids, mythology, the ancient craft, and haunted travel. This episode is Volume 2 of the Ohio State Reformatory and its Haunted History, with segments from my 2010 book, The Haunted History of the Ohio State Reformatory. So let's dim the lights, light a candle, and settle in. Ghost stories don't need to be fabricated. History is frightening enough. So let's talk about the Civil War and how it's affected the haunted history of the Ohio State Reformatory. The Civil War, Camp Merdecki Bartley, Death and Disease. You could not say from what world they come or to what world they go. Major General Joshua Chamberlain spoke those words several years after the American Civil War came to its bloody conclusion. How true Chamberlain's words ring to those who research the paranormal. This war was the bloodiest ever fought in American history, with over 600,000 soldiers perishing. There are many reasons, according to paranormal researchers and investigators, why the soul or spirit remains earthbound after the death of the natural body. A sudden death is one reason for a haunting or paranormal activity to occur. Violent and unexpected deaths of the young rank high as well. It is said that sometimes the ghostly form stays behind to give a message of hope or warning to those of us among the living. Many men who enlisted early on in the American Civil War believed that the war would be over in several months. Instead, it began in April of 1861 and ended four years later in April of 1865. Men who enlisted or volunteered were usually prepared for battle in Civil War training camps. They learned how to load, use, and clean weapons. The men participated in drills, learned survival skills, and sharpened their killer instincts. These soldiers would not only be the judge of others' lives, but also act as executioner in many instances. Enlisting in the Federal Army and learning how to kill fellow Americans was difficult for many men and especially challenging to some soldiers with strict religious views. Men who enlisted in the state of Ohio helped to determine the outcome of the Civil War. Ohio supplied many of the North's leading generals and hundreds of thousands of recruits for the war effort. You're probably wondering, why are we talking about the Civil War? This episode was to be on the Ohio State Reformatory. Well, if you've ever attended one of my ghost tours, one of my investigations or ghost hunts, or sat through a paranormal lecture, I often mention the fact that I believe you should understand and know the history of a location 
to understand why it could be haunted or have paranormal activity. That brings us back to the Civil War. According to the United States Department of Veteran Affairs, there were 2,213,363 federal or northern soldiers. More than 2,000 federal soldiers were under the age of 21 upon enlistment. Many youths signed up for this great adventure by slipping in as a fifer, a drummer boy, or a bugler, too small to even climb up on a horse. Statistics jump off the page when you read the fact that approximately 618,000 men perished during the war fighting for what they believed in. Compare this statistic to the 116,516 fatalities in World War I. Many men perished from disease, wounds, and starvation during the four years the Civil War raged on. It is estimated that over 25,000 died in the training camps due to diseases such as dysentery, smallpox, and cholera. Statisticians have added to the long list of Union dead by reporting the following. 24,866 deaths in prison. 4,944 deaths by drowning. 4,144 accidental deaths, 520 were murdered, 391 committed suicides, and there were a total of 14,155 unclassified deaths. Now remember, these were the deaths that were recorded and actually made it onto official documents. This was a war that had many titles. The War for Southern Independence, the War of Northern Aggression, the Late Unpleasantness, the War for States' Rights, the Great Rebellion, the War Between the Brothers, the Yankee Invasion, Mr. Lincoln's War, and the Civil War, to name a few. But whatever its name, it ravaged the country and brought Northerners and Southerners alike to their knees in mourning and in fear. No family was left untouched. It is estimated that one of every three men died. The Civil War was more than just another era in our history. It affected every aspect of our consciousness, culture, and society. It also affected the very land that it took place on. Major General Chamberlain shared his thoughts on this ideal. In great deeds, something abides. On great fields, something stays. Forms change and pass, bodies disappear, but spirits linger to consecrate ground for the vision place of the souls. And reverent men and women from afar, and generations that know us not and that we know not of, heart drawn to see where and by whom great things were suffered and done for them. They shall come to this deathless field to ponder and dream and lo. The shadow of a mighty presence shall wrap them in its bosom, and the power of the vision pass into their souls. In the year 1861, plans were underway to establish Union soldier training camps across the state of Ohio. 
One such union training camp was located on the rolling land just north of the present-day Ohio State Reformatory building. Part of the land the camp was to be situated on was owned by the Tingley family. William Tingley came from New Jersey with his family in 1822 and settled in Mansfield, with farming being his occupation. The farmland grew to encompass 300 acres. When the Civil War broke out in April of 1861, this site was chosen for a training camp because of the natural spring located on site. This was an ideal location as a freshwater source for the camp was very desirable. The spring has long been covered since that time. The camp was given the name Camp Mordecai Bartley after the 18th governor of Ohio. Governor Bartley was originally from Pennsylvania and came to Ohio in 1809. After becoming involved in politics, Bartley served as state senator representing Licking, Knox, and Richland counties. Bartley was known for his position on fugitive slave laws. He not only opposed the slave laws, but also advocated the repeal of Ohio's laws that deprived African Americans of basic rights. In 1844, he defeated Democrat David Todd on the Whig Party ticket and became Ohio's 18th governor. When his very active term as governor ended in 1846, he returned home to Mansfield and remained there until his death on October the 10th, 1870. The Union training camp named after the governor trained an estimated 4,000 soldiers for battle against the Southern Army. The 32nd Regiment under Colonel T.H. Ford was the very first unit trained at the camp. By August of 1861, 750 men had arrived and succeeded in being trained in 19th century warfare. They had been poorly equipped for battle and carried old smoothbore muskets. These men then traveled to Camp Denison in southern Ohio for a short time and then traveled farther south and participated in action that took place in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. The unit traveled to Harper's Ferry in pursuit of General Thomas Stonewall Jackson and lost all but 35 men in this endeavor. Colonel Ford was charged with neglect, tried and dismissed from duty in the fall of 1862. The 32nd Regiment was given to the command of Colonel Potts. The 35 surviving soldiers from the Mansfield, Ohio unit headed farther south and joined General Sherman and his deadly march across the south into the sea. They had participated in the Battle of Kennesaw Mountain, helped defend Harper's Ferry from attack, participated in Sherman's advance against Atlanta, Georgia, and the Siege of Vicksburg, and saw back action at the Battle of Cheat Mountain, now West Virginia. The 32nd entered the field on September the 15th, 1861, 950 strong, and during the war received more than 1,600 recruits. Only 565 remained at its mustering out. It is believed that the regiment lost and recruited, recruited more men from any other in Ohio. Back in Mansfield, Camp Mordecai Bartley was going through some name changes. Colonel Ford changed the name of the camp to Camp Buckingham to honor C.P. Buckingham, the Adjutant General of Ohio. 
the state of Ohio basically refused to accept this name change for Camp Mordecai Bartley. At a later date, the name was again changed to Camp Mansfield, causing further confusion. Nonetheless, there were an estimated 4,000 soldiers trained at this camp just north of the city of Mansfield. The 15th Regiment followed the 32nd Regiment as the second unit trained at this camp. About one year after the camp opened, the 102nd Ohio Infantry was trained and left for the South with a total of about 1,000 soldiers. On many occasions, the Grim Reaper would claim the living before they ever got the chance to step onto a battlefield to engage the enemy. It is estimated that two-thirds of the fatalities in the Civil War were due to disease. Some Union Army sources put this astounding number at about 414,000 deaths due to disease alone. While the average soldier believed that the bullet was his most nefarious foe, disease was the biggest killer of the war. Of the federal dead, roughly three out of five died of disease. Of the approximately 175,000 wounds to the extremities received among the federal troops, about 30,000 led to amputation. About half of the deaths from disease during the Civil War were caused by intestinal disorders, mainly typhoid fever, diarrhea, and dysentery. The remainder died from pneumonia and tuberculosis. Camps such as Camp Mordecai Bartley were populated by young soldiers who had never before been exposed to a large variety of common contagious diseases and they were plagued by outbreaks of smallpox, measles, chickenpox, mumps, whooping cough, typhoid, scurvy, malarial fever, scarlet fever, acute diarrhea, and chronic dysentery. Antibiotics had not been invented yet and would not appear until World War II. Poor sanitary conditions and bad hygiene contributed to the spread of communicable diseases. The local ladies of the night, otherwise known as soiled doves or wayward sisters, added to the spread of sexually transmitted diseases such as gonorrhea and syphilis. Soldiers would occasionally visit shady establishments for a night's entertainment, free from the doldrums of dreary camp life. Whether by vice, mental illness, or uncleanness, the diseases and their conditions would spread and claim their victims. Camp Mordecai Bartley was no stranger to this, as many soldiers perished due to diseases of the body and mind. So let's segue from history into the paranormal. One soldier reportedly saw ghosts and spirits in the late spring of 1861 at Camp Mordecai Bartley. It has been said that he announced to all that he had been visited by ghosts and spirits while training at the camp in Mansfield, and he was very agitated. The unfortunate soldier was often so shaken and disturbed from these experiences that he was later determined unfit for duty. He would ultimately die two years later in a Kentucky asylum for the insane. Camp Mordecai Bartley was a site to several unexplained mysteries that puzzled many of these young recruits. 
Of course, many blamed these young men's anxieties and nerves about the impending war as the foundation for the nervous fits and alleged paranormal events. There were multiple reports of missing items at camp. This is something that could be common in areas of paranormal activity if one can rule out human error. Some soldiers in training refused to do drills in certain areas of Camp Mordecai Bartley. These enlisted men experienced high rates of ammunition failure in these locations that eluded explanation. Whispers and muffled voices could be heard in areas of darkness where no human stood in attendance save for the soul hearing the spirited sound. Unexplained sounds also emanated from the very ground, according to various soldiers. Ghostly echoes came up from the soil and caused many a soldier to question his sanity. These sounds were said to occur in the northeast section of the camp. Society's view on communicating with the dead probably fueled many of these ghostly sightings and occurrences on the land that would become property of the Ohio State Reformatory. In the years directly preceding the outbreak of the Civil War, spiritualism was all the vogue. This was a belief in the dead communicating with the living, and it was popularized in Europe as well as America in the 1850s. The spiritualist movement aimed at proving that the soul was immortal by establishing communication with the spirits of the dead. Seances were held in parlors, and the widows of soldiers would sometimes visit spirit photographers, such as William H. Mumler, to hopefully catch a glimpse of a dead loved one on developed portraits of the living. The spirit did not appear in the studio but did appear mysteriously on the negative in print. These alleged spirit photographs were expensive, but many people posed for them anyway. Mary Todd Lincoln was perhaps one of the most famous Victoria-era women to pose for a spirit photograph. Mrs. Lincoln became interested in spiritualism in the 1850s and also hosted many seances in the White House. After her husband's assassination, in 1865, she continued to visit with spiritualists and sometimes used assumed names. With the onslaught of the war in 1861, death knocked on many doors, and families often found solace by initiating contact with their dead family members. Men went off to war, children became orphans, and the women became widows. The nation was in a state of perpetual morning. Photos of the carnage from Gettysburg, Antietam, and other Civil War battles shocked many who saw them, but also provided a way to manage grief and trauma. Anyone with a passing interest in the Civil War has seen the photos of battlefield dead. There are rows and rows of the dead, piles of corpses ready for mass burial and bodies scattered, fields full of corpses from the battles. There are the faces and the expressions of death that would become plastered across newspapers. This is the first time that a photograph of a battle or the war dead would be seen across the nation 
and brought into homes vividly. The capacity of photography to represent the real carnage of war was very new and very shocking for people. The American Civil War was also a war of many firsts. This was the first time an American Civil War in which a workable machine gun would be utilized. It was the first time that landmine fields were used. The use of railroad artillery was developed. A steel ship was designed and used. A successful submarine was launched, and repeating rifles were issued to the Army for the first time. Army ambulance corps were utilized. Military telegraphs were implemented, and aerial reconnaissance was initiated. It is also worth noting that the procedure of embalming was being practiced and would be used more than possibly imagined on fallen Union soldiers. After President Lincoln's assassination, he was embalmed and was the first public figure to ever be put on display after embalming. Many in the general public did not take to this personal invasion of the human body, and it met with resistance at its first introduction into the masses. It is interesting to observe that the very ground upon which the Ohio State Reformatory occupies has had a long history with paranormal episodes dating back to 1861. Paranormal researchers and ghost hunters speak often of imprinted energy, and it is possible that this very condition exists upon the land itself as a result of the military training conducted there during the Civil War. No other war in our history as a nation saw as much disease, death, and violence upon homeland soil. Is it possible that the deaths of these soldiers while training and suffering from disease are still lingering? Could it be that the shadowy figures seen in the dark hallways of the Ohio State Reformatory are the ghosts of the boys in blue who died from disease while training at Camp Mordecai Bartley almost 150 years ago? Apparitions of men dressed in blue uniforms have occasionally been reported to me after one of my ghostly events at the reformatory. The smell of gun smoke or black powder has been experienced, and on one occasion I remember a guest on my ghost tour swearing that they heard the sound of horses' hooves walking in the west cell block area. A few guests report capturing gunshots on video or voice recorders when no one heard them at the time of recording, only upon playback. Who is to say why these souls haunt and occasionally visit the prison? Could it be that parallel dimensions have slipped, causing the paranormal to happen? Are we getting a glimpse of what lies beyond? Can these entities see and hear us as well? Are we experiencing imprinted energy left by trauma, death, and tragedy? As with the paranormal at any location, there are so many more questions than there are answers. After researching the field of the paranormal for over 30 years, I realize and I accept the fact that there are skeptics among us. 
But I ask you, maybe be open-minded and still be a skeptic. Be open-minded to the possibility that things exist beyond our realm of knowledge. And I'm wondering about these skeptics. Maybe all of the people who say that ghosts don't exist are just afraid to admit that they do exist. And as far as a belief in spirits and ghosts and whatever its origin, the belief in entities like this seems to have been common to all the nations of the ancient worlds who have left us any record of themselves. Ghosts began to walk in civilization early on, and they're still walking. One of my favorite quotes is from one of the world's most experienced paranormal researchers, Paul Eno. And if you're not familiar with Mr. Eno, he is an award-winning New England journalist and the author of about a dozen books on the paranormal. And here's his quote. There are an infinite number of universes existing side by side through which our consciousnesses constantly pass. In these universes, all possibilities exist. You are alive in some, long dead in others, and never existed in still others. Many of our ghosts could indeed be visions of people going about their business in a parallel universe or another time or both, end quote. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Haunted History with me, Sherry Brake. If you're interested in my tours and events for the next year and my international tours, please check out my website at www.hauntedhistory.net. If you're on Instagram, I'm there as River Sticks, R-I-V-E-R-S-T-X, and you can find me on Facebook under Sherry Brake or Haunted Heartland Tours. I've been investigating the paranormal for over 30 years, and I love what I do. It's not a job. It's a calling. I love to share my insight, folklore, stories, and my love of this crazy, dark, twisted, and intriguing subject that we call haunted history. Until we meet again, I hope to see you out on the haunted highway.